0: Hello and welcome to this latest Mersey Waves episode. I'm Sarah and I'm from Liverpool City Council's communications team. This is our first podcast via the medium of Zoom, so um, we're ensuring that everyone is staying safely in their homes. We are, of course, today talking about coronavirus. But hopefully, we're going to provide some light to the shade and focus on the incredible community spirit which we've seen over the past couple of weeks. On the 20th of March, Mayor Joe Anderson launched a volunteer hotline to recruit what was termed an army of volunteers who could help the city take on the coronavirus challenge. The lines were inundated, and within days, more than 3,000 people had signed up to help out. In fact, demand has been so high, the lines have been temporarily suspended and the teams are now working on matching those people with the much-needed roles in the city. Today, I'm joined by Colin Heaney, who is the Co-Chief Executive for Liverpool Charity and Voluntary Services, or LCVS, as it's more commonly known, and Chloe Drury, who works for Liverpool City Council and is part of the team coordinating the voluntary programme. Okay Colin, let's start with you. Um, it's the ethos of LCBS to encourage people to be charitable and give up their time to help others. Surely this has taken on a whole new level thanks to COVID-19. It,
1: it absolutely has, um, in, in two ways really. One is it's been amazing to see just how many people have offered support in a whole variety of ways. It's, it's, there was an essay written in 1773 about Liverpool and the very ones... Got some spare time on the hands while they're locked up. Um, it's called Enfield's essay on Liverpool, and there's a great quote in there that talks about um, the compassion and uh, the thoughtfulness of the residents of Liverpool. And that was when it was about three streets and a, you know, a hole in the ground, really. And it's it, and that's so true, isn't it, about this city that people just respond so brilliantly to things. Um, but of course, that brings with it its challenges. So we've got. Uh, a list of 3,000 people who've signed up to say what do you need us to do? Where do you want us to go? We've got 2,500 or more voluntary sector organisations and community groups who can't deliver their normal service. We were looking, how can we help? How can we support? Um, So it's ramped up in the last week um, considerably to try and find a way of making those things happen, connecting people up. So people who need support, how can we connect them up? How can we work with volunteers? How can we get them doing things that they they can do, that are safe to do, because there's guidance around those kind of things? Um, So yeah, so it's great to see it happening, but obviously we've got to work through that now. Um, And just if anyone's listening to this and they've volunteered and feel that they've not had a response yet, there's 3,000 people on the list and we are trying our best to kind of get to you. as I say, we have to be careful about how we do this so we keep everyone safe.
0: How long have you been in the voluntary sector for, Colin?
1: Me personally? Yes. Well, LCBS has been around for over 100 years. Um, I, I look like I've worked there for 100 years because of my COVID beard. Um, <laughs> but um, So I've been in the voluntary sector all of my working life. Um, I started off as a play worker and doing voluntary stuff on adventure playgrounds, then working with disabled children and families, and um, and eventually um, doing work in a broader sense around how the voluntary sector works, how you support it. The, the, the voluntary sector is great because you kind of move around a lot, with, and before you know where you are, you're doing a different job. Um, I was quite good at fundraising, so I ended up being a fundraiser, and then I was I came to LCBS to actually run into grants programs. Um, And then, somewhat foolishly, they made me co-chief exec uh, two or three years ago. But um, but everything's fine so far. (laughs)
0: Good. It's good to hear. Um, Chloe, let me bring you in here. Unlike Colin, you haven't really got a background in volunteers yet. What is your current role?
2: Yeah, so I actually work for um, Culture Liverpool Events Team. So I work with um, the great team of organising all our major events in, in the city. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very different to what I normally do, but, and it is challenging, but it is good to see how many people are helping out.
0: So you're working with Colin to coordinate the volunteer programme then, are you?
2: Yeah, yeah. So on the, on the main spreadsheet of all the 3,000 volunteers, um, myself um, and my colleague Kate and Colin's team are basically working, obviously, remotely, but can see the same spreadsheet. So we're both updating it when and we do um, match people to um, support our people in the city.
0: So if this wasn't happening now, I take it you'd be in the midst of organising all the events that the city loves, that we get loads of visitors for?
2: Yeah, yeah. So one of my major ones that I'd be doing now um, is the music festival, Liverpool International Music Festival. So I would be in, you know, meetings after meetings, getting all the plannings in place for that. Um, So its it is... Bizarre not to be actually looking at music, speaking to artists and agents with obviously the rest of the team. I actually, on Tuesday, we were, we were meant to have a Lymph Project team meeting and I was sitting at two o'clock going, oh yeah, no, I'm not going to that today. I'm, I'm carrying on with my volunteer list. Um, so yeah, it's it's, it's very different. Um, but obviously there's other events. We've, we've got the fireworks event as well later on in the year. So we should all still be, you know, planning to that But COVID-19 has took us other ways.
0: I guess if you organize events, then you're a pretty organized person, which comes in very helpful helpfully when you've got a list of 3,000 people.
2: Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> hopefully it does yeah, it's we're, um, we're being very precise on what we're trying to do, and you know, keeping the volunteers up to date because we really appreciate the time. and you know we don't want to, as Colin said before, we don't want them to think that we're not getting in touch with them, but we're just trying to make sure things are done correctly. Um, and goes through, you know, section by section of Assign and people to the right role.
0: How, Colin, how easy is that process of matching people to jobs?
1: Initially, it's not been so bad because our priority was was around um, the emergency food supply and making sure that um, the food banks were up and running. So we focused a little bit on that in the first instance. So where, there's, so where there's a food bank or where there's a food distribution centre, we've been kind of... Looking at the volunteer list, looking at what people said that they could do, looking at their postcode, and going right, we could match you up to that. And so we work with the organisations locally. So we have this a bit of a link between a bit of a date night, and if you like. So that's that's been okay. Um, as it ramps up, it get more complicated because as more things come on stream, just keeping on top of that will, will be uh, complicated. But Chloe's right? This is one of the things about this is. Um, really keeping people safe through this, um, both the people who are volunteering and people who are working with volunteers. It, you know, it's really important that people want to do the right thing. Um, and in a rush to do the right thing, sometimes you can do the wrong thing. So I think we are we are being a little cautious just to make sure that the right people are in the right place, doing the right thing, and have got the right guidance to do that.
0: It's interesting that you use the word safe then because I guess some people might think the notion of volunteering flies in the face of being told, stay in your home, do not leave your house?
1: Absolutely. Well, it, it does, but the government guidance is, is very clear about what's allowable and what isn't. So if, if you're involved in food delivery and those kind of things, then that's permissible. Um, medical drop-off for prescriptions is permissible. We're in Liverpool, actually, we do that in a slightly different way. So the fire service and police are going to be doing prescription pick-up and drop-off because that's safer. That's just a way to do that, um, and there's something then around essential care, which again is through banks, uh, blood donations, uh, homelessness. So th- there are some things that, that are there, and the government is saying you can go outside and do those. There's a lot of things you can't do anymore, um, and again, and that's sometimes difficult for people who want to help when we're saying to them you can't. You you actually can't do that now because it's not safe to do it. Um, I would guess that we're going to have a lot of people who will be on the phone to people, just offering telephone support and those kind of things. So we're having to work with that side of the equation as well. What are people allowed to do at the moment? Because obviously, we don't. If we're placing a volunteer, we don't want someone go from one side of the city to the other if we can avoid it. Um, so we're trying to be smart about how we do that and do it by location where we can. Um, and I- I know um, the volunteers have also been asked for more information about their skill set, what can they do, what they are good at. Um, So as that information comes through, again, that will help us place people and get people in the right places.
0: We've touched on food banks. Chloe, the City Council have set up a food hub, which at the time of recording for this podcast is acting as a bit of a stopgap while the government... Um, so it's food parcels, deliveries, direct to the vulnerable and um, again that's colleagues like yours who are normally working on events or working in St George's Hall and the Town Hall who are operating in that hub at the moment, is that correct?
2: Yeah, yeah, so the, we I was with them um, on Friday setting it all up, um, so basically there's stations for different types of um, you know foods coming in um, but they're dealing with obviously the same list as what me and Colin are dealing with but obviously the support list, so there's Again, you know, a lot of people on there that they're trying to deal with, and just making sure people are being fed, and you know they've got the right things to you know to survive through this time. Um, but they're just going above and beyond to you know to what they can do. We've got our um, we've actually got a COVID nineteen WhatsApp group, and on our, at the weekend we were calling um, one of the um, team members, and he went and dropped someone off just a pint of milk because he come in and just said I want a cup of tea, um, and she was an eighty two year old lady. So we're just trying to, you know, there's certain things what we've got to stick to and, and we're, we're managing the list that are coming in. But there's certain times where our team just thinks, you know, let's just let just let the lady have a cup of tea. So and then obviously there's fruit and veg that we're getting extra and stuff like that, that we're trying to just give people because we need to still obviously give people what they need and not just packet meals or whichever. We're still trying to keep healthy and stuff
0: quite like an emotionally hard time for people who this is a totally different out of our comfort zone really isn't it in terms of what they're doing and yeah, to deal yeah. with like say elderly people who just need that food um or milk they're just getting yeah. that job done aren't they
2: yeah yeah literally it's just a case of you know making the right choices and helping people when when it's needed and obviously you know it, it's key to do that for for this current situation with people who can't go out and just you know, get your normal um, pint of milk that you need for your rest few days. Colin,
0: could we, or the voluntary sector, could, could we have been more prepared for this?
1: I don't think we could, you know. I think, that, I think it's such an unprecedented time and it's, it's such a massive... I mean, th- this, is one of those, this is one of those things that everyone will remember forever, you know. It's one of those I was there type periods in your life, isn't it? And... Um, most volunteer so speaking from a voluntary sector point of view, most voluntary sector organizations know and work in their communities, and a lot of them have been able to adapt what they're doing really quickly to support their communities. and so so, in a sense, that prepper, it's not like it's not emergency preparation, but they know their communities and they're able to work really effectively, really quickly. Um, no one could possibly have envisaged that we'd have all been locked down in this way. And I think Chloe's absolutely right that what I've seen from from my side of things, is the, the connection between voluntary sector, community sector, the general public, officers and staff in the local authority. It has been amazing, actually, and I think we shouldn't forget that. It's, life, life is tough for people at the minute. We know that life is really difficult for some people. Um, but that shouldn't let us forget that what we're actually seeing is the best of people at the same time, and that's really important. So people are, have responded really quickly and effectively. Um, and we'll, we'll certainly learn some lessons from this in terms of about how things work and how networks operate and how people can work together better. Um, and I think that might be a bit of a silver lining at the end of this. I'm really hopeful that at the end of this, when, when, when we're all allowed back out again, I hope what happens is not like the end of the Truman Show movie where people <laughs> just go, oh, well, that's done now, isn't it? And move on. I hope people remember The NHS staff and the shop staff and the people who are emptying your bins and the people who have done this—I hope people remember that and that that kind of stays with us for a long time to come and people are able to wear together in a much more kind of kinship kind of way. I think that might be a real boom to the city moving forward.
0: So, if I was one of these three thousand people that had rung the hotline, got through, had my details registered, what should I expect next?
2: Um, so basically, um, w- once you're on the list, you know, we're trying to keep in touch with the volunteers as much as we can, LCVS team and the team that I'm working with. Um, so we literally, as soon as we can, we'll, we'll contact you. was, um, As Colin said earlier, there's a survey that got sent out last night. Um, and before I come on this podcast, i would just seen that over 900 of the volunteers have already responded to it. And that got sent out really late last night. So we really appreciate them taking the time already to fill that in. And that was just to get the extra skill set. So we will literally be assigning volunteers as quickly as we can to start helping people. Um, So if you are a volunteer and you haven't heard from us yet, we will try and email you every so many days to keep you in contact. Um, Yesterday, one of our um, main jobs was um, tackling loneliness. So um, I was um, matching volunteers yesterday to people, just giving them a phone call. Um, obviously, because Colin's team are doing great with the communities and the food banks, and obviously, we've got our, the food hub. Um, so, um, myself and Kate were look, literally looking at volunteers who can be matched up just to give a phone call to somebody who wanted just a, a normal general chit chat um, through the day to break up the day. So, that was my main part yesterday. So, if you were tackling loneliness and um, volunteer, you would have heard. And in the next so many days, you will hear about other job roles. Um, but obviously, with us doing the smart survey, we've now got ideas of other um, roles that we can assign people with.
0: Are there 3,000 roles at the moment, or is that like worst-case scenario that we would need 3,000 volunteers to be working at one point?
2: Yeah, it's definitely worst-case scenario, and hopefully we don't get to that. Um, definitely don't want to get to that, but we're so grateful of the 3,000, and obviously, we are just trying to match best people to the, to support, the support that's needed. Um, but no, we, as much as we appreciate the 3,000 volunteers, we definitely do want to get to that number.
0: Colin, do you have a message for people who have volunteered and maybe once this crisis is over, you would like to see them continue to volunteer their time?
1: Yeah, just to echo what Chloe said, we will try and get to people as quickly as we can and try yeah. and match them up, and we are grateful for all those people that have signed up um, and hopefully we don't need 3,000 people in an emergency situation over the next couple of weeks. Um, we'd like to think that it has sparked an interest in getting involved locally and we can build on that and as I said before, when this is over, hopefully there'll be lots more people can do in their communities and locally and they'll have seen how well communities respond and how important it is that communities work together. So, you know, I'm I'm, a, I'm an optimist and I think that uh, that people will remember, and I think people will want to be involved post this. And don't forget, there'll still be an awful lot to do as this starts to settle down, because this is going to have an impact on people's mental health. It's going to have an impact on, you know, you've got kids who are kind of not in school, um, and there's going to be some rebuilding to do in terms of people's morale and how they feel and just a general sense of being, you know, back in the community. So there's going to be an awful lot to do. It doesn't finish. When they lift the restrictions, it really doesn't. There's going to be a lot to do post that. And we'll need help to do that.
0: Okay, a really important message. Well, thank you both for taking time up your schedule. I know you're so busy at the moment. We really appreciate it. And thank you for everything you're doing. It's really making a difference to people's lives.
1: It's a pleasure. It's nice to meet you, Chloe.
2: Yeah, nice to meet you, Colin. Thank
0: you. That's the end of this episode. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to keep up to date with the latest information, advice and guidance on coronavirus, you can visit www.liverpool.gov.uk forward slash coronavirus or search for COVID Liverpool on Twitter or Facebook. If you want to drop the Mersey Waves team a line, maybe you have some suggestions for future episodes, why not send an email to hello at merseywaves.co.uk. <music> I'm <laughs> sorry.